0: It's Saturday at 6. It's time for your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews, and live
1: sessions. Live from the Radio Nova studios in the Dublin Docklands. Hello, hello. A very good evening to you on the sweltering Saturday evening. Some heatwave, eh? It's Sinead Nivorda bringing you backstage with some incredibly talented and hugely influential artists. I've got such a great show lined up for you this evening. You're going to be hearing from the man who has had a huge effect on pop culture, music and fashion today. The Bard of Salford, John Cooper Clark, is going to be joining me backstage and talking about the days of when he shared the bill with bands such as The Pistols, The Fall, The Buzzcocks, as well as being as vital now as he was in the 70s. Also popping in today will be the band Cooler Shaker. Do you remember them? All about the 90s nostalgia of late. So they're going to be talking about their hugely successful debut album K, which was released 20 years ago. And drummer is gonna be revealing on oh, why he feels so the need to carry the torch for drummers who behave badly. I'm also gonna be playing for you the brand new one from Radiohead. It'll be music news and the entertainment guide as well. Backstage on Radio Nova. John Cooper Clark is one of the best-loved and most important performance poets of our time. He first rose to fame during the punk rock era of the late 1970s where he became known as a punk poet. His biting, satirical, political and funny verse delivered in his unique rapid-fire performance style resonated with the punk movement and John went on to tour with all the seminal bands such as Sex Pistols, The Clash and The Buzzcocks. Um... As a poet, movie star, rock star, comedian and social and cultural commentator, John is as vital now as he was in the 70s. He joins me next on backstage, but first, let's have a listen to this man's brilliance. This is a live recording of John Cooper Clark reciting his poem, Twat. I love this.
2: Like a nightclub in the morning, you're the bitter end. Like a recently disinfected house, you're clean round the bend. You give me the horrors, too bad to be true All of my tomorrows are lousy because of you You put the sh- in shatter, put the pain in Spain Your germs are splattered about, your face is just a stain You're certainly no raver, commonly known as a drag Do us all a favour, here, wear this polythene bag You're like a dose of scabies I've got you under my skin. You make life a fairy tale, grim. People mention murder the moment you arrive. I'd consider killing you if I thought you were alive. You've got this slippery quality. It makes me think of phlegm and a dual personality. I hate both of them. Your bad breath, vamp's disease, destruction and decay. Please, 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 please take yourself away. Like a death at a birthday party, you ruin all the fun. Like a sucked and spat out smarty, you're no use to anyone. Like the shadow of the guillotine on a dead consumptive's face. Speaking as an outsider, what do you think of the human race? You went to a progressive psychiatrist. He recommended suicide before scratching your bad name off his list and pointing the way outside. You hear laughter breaking through, it makes you want to fart. You're heading for a breakdown, better pull yourself apart. Your dirty name gets passed about when something goes amiss. Your attitudes, platitudes, just make me want to... What kind of creature bore you? Was it some kind of bat? They can't find a good word for you, but I can twat. How brilliant is that?
1: Twat from John Cooper Clark on Radio Nova. The Bard of Salford was here in Ireland this week and took to the stage at the Pavilion Theatre on Thursday night for a sold-out show. And now, to chat all things punk, the core values of rock and roll, and on how he bounced back from a heroin addiction, is the superstar himself, John Cooper Clark. Thank you so much for joining me backstage today. How do you feel about being responsible for pop culture, music and fashion today? Because you're a bit of an icon.
3: Yeah, just so right. you know, uh, it wasn't... Uh it took me a long time to be an, an overnight success, but you're quite right. I'm, uh, more, in fact, I'm more successful now than, uh, than I ever was in the first place. Really? Oh, without a doubt, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Much more, well, not, well, I say high profile, let's say. Okay. A higher profile now.
1: Oh, I guess so. Because yeah, I guess you were such a huge part of that whole scene on the 70s. I mean, it was such... What, the punk rock era? The punk rock era. I mean, uh, that was such an interesting time, you know, with a certain awakening and a lot of people taking a stand in the form of the punk movement. And just looking at what you've done, it's pretty amazing, you know, having been there and touring with the likes of The Pistols and Stiffle of Fingers and The Clash. So I can imagine it was quite... Oh, yeah, all uh... All of that. Lucky you, a rewarding time. So, you know, how would you describe your experience of that time, being part of something that was so
3: pivotal. I don't, I don't really dwell on it. Every 10 years, I'm forced to think about it again. Right. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I'm a living man. I've got work to do. I'm writing loads of new stuff. It's, and, uh, you know, obviously, I think I'm in mean, an upward trajectory. The stuff I write now is far far. I see myself back then, you know, in film footage and what have you yeah. i can't believe how bad i was <laughs> you know but uh, luckily the uh british public or a, or, a, or a small section of it those involved with punk rock uh, uh didn't think they thought it was all right thank god thank god for them but uh you know as i say i've never been higher profile and the stuff i'm writing now is far more uh well it's better just oh. better I, I, what more can i say you know it's uh yeah, because I, I guess better at what I do, and the stuff I write is better. <laughs> so, really? as you say, every every ten years, you know, when when the, you know, every time that the the year ends with the letters with the, with the number nineteen seventy six uh, 1976 comes up, and of yeah. course it's time to look at punk rock once more. So uh, every 10 years I'm forced to think about it again, but really I don't walk around, I don't really play my record. <laughs> I still listen to the Ramones on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, uh, can oh, I kind just. Something hangs
3: that? over, isn't there? Yeah. You know, the, Ramones, the Ramones are still good. They were great. I mean, the thing about the Ramones was, and they're the people that really got me into punk rock, you know, uh, really. And uh, the thing about them was, they, they didn't sound new at the time. so they don't don't sound old-fashioned now, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It was more of a, where the Ramones were concerned, I've seen it as a return to the core values of rock and roll. You know, things had got rather bloated and uh, distant, you know, uh, all these unspeakable, uh, lumbering supergroups that were around at the time, just before punk rock, you know. And, uh, you know, it was a return to the core values of, uh, of rock and roll. So I was all for that.
1: And do you think there's anyone um, today that possesses those core values of rock and roll? I like there's a,
3: there's, a, there's two young guys called Slave.
1: Oh, I know. They're, I love they're them. They're Really
3: good. They're they're really good. Of course, this is what I find exciting. Actually, more than even more than punk rock, really, uh, in a way, is that that's uh, the template of the uh, beat group. As as old, before the minimum requirement was bass, guitar, and drums, wasn't it? You know, but yeah. now. Since Jack White, you know, any configuration, as long as you make a, a, a suitable enough uh, noise, you know, you can get away with it. But, you know, I, Iggy Pop's doing good stuff, you oh, know. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I lo- Post-hoc uh, so, um, yeah, everything's, uh, everything's
3: great. Everything is great. But I listen to, I'm old school, you know, I listen to soul music and, you know, Frank Sinatra.
1: Nice. Elvis. Well, he can't the beat Everly the
3: classics.
1: He can't the beat Everly those. Brothers.
3: I was gutted. Eh? I was gutted when Philip Everly died.
1: Of the Everly Brothers.
3: Yeah, yeah, he died not not long ago. Yeah.
1: It's been such a tough year, hasn't it? It's just with Prince yeah. and Bowie, and it's just it's. And I hear Little Richard is doing well. I'll tell
3: you Phil Everly meant, meant a lot more to me than David Bowie or Prince. You know, call me old-fashioned.
1: And why is that? Why
3: Philip Everly? Well, you know, that's, that's the half of a beautiful two-man symphony orchestra there. That's, yeah. You know, I don't know what Don's doing now. He's a fine singer and should have his own solo career. But, you know, in, in the public imagination, the Everly Brothers, that's just the last word in heartbreak.
1: Yeah, their harmonies were just absolutely pristine. I, I love Asian, them yeah, from yeah. such a young, young age. So talking about this stuff, you're saying about so much stuff today and that, that's better than before. I know before, back in the day, there was so much going on in the world with nuclear incidents, here, the troubles in Northern Ireland, there's the reign of Thatcher. So what is it that stimulates you today? Well, what do you find that, that's made your well, work it, even better you know, today?
3: I, 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 to be honest, uh, Sinead, I always thought that sort of uh, narrow political side of my my work has been sort of talked up rather too much over the years. You know, I never really saw myself as an avatar of any kind of social change. I never really saw myself ever as being any kind of moral force in the world. Mm. And all that kind of baggage really has been attached to me by you know well meaning admirers, you know the likes of you know Billy Bragg and those more kind of politically engaged performers, but I think you know if you look at my act next to theirs there 's very little political context uh, 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 and if there is it 's in its broadest possible sense you know so i 've never I, I, I dislike uh, political poetry because I think both both the politics and the poetry suffers. You know, I've always kind of tried to avoid being too didactic. You know, I'm an entertainer, and that's why I got... That's, that's the reason I... I was reading poetry in public, long, you know, two years before punk rock got started. I was trying, you know, all the way trying to drag my stuff into the world of entertainment and away from the kind of stuffy literary world.
1: And what gave you, you know, your um, break into... You know, what gave you that break then into the, into the more public mainstream? And it wasn't quite mainstream, uh,
3: well, I, was, I guess, then. But. I had a, a residency. Immediately, immediately before Punk Rock, I had a residency as uh, a compare poet uh, at a club called Mr. Smith, which was a cabaret uh, uh, venue in Manchester. There were, there were many of them at the time. Bernard Manning's Embassy Club, Jerry Harris's Piccadilly Club, uh, Fufu Lamar's Palace... And those were the places that I was trying to kind of make it as a a show business style poet immediately before Punk Rock. So I was trying to make it in this cabaret world, which meant that I was wearing kind of, uh, you know, uh, slimline three button suits. I had short hair with a shaved in parting. And uh, tapered trousers, nice. which were looked quite freakish uh, in those, you know, uh, rather slovenly times, but it looked dead right for punt. You know, about a year later, the jam would come along, and they'd be dressed exactly as I was dressed during those mm. cabaret places. So I kind of looked right. So my friends in, uh, you know, my friend Mark Smith and Pete Shelley and all those people, uh, all those punks from the Salford area near where I lived, yeah. they said to me, you know, uh, you shouldn't be playing those places, Johnny. You know, you should be doing these punk rock events. And I knew about the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and the Clash, obviously, you know, and... uh and, and that was the, the, the big happening thing at the time. So I didn't need very much talking into it. Yeah. You know, I've always, the more people I, I, I in my audience, the better I like it. And I was always that way. So uh, I was very pleased to uh, adopt the uh, punk rock attitude. All it meant was I took my existing repertoire and speeded it up to triple, triple velocity.
0: Nice. Which was the house
3: style of punk rock in the early days. And then I got that reputation for what is called my uh, machine gun delivery.
1: Ah. Well, John, let's have a listen now to one delivery on one of your pieces of work. More chats with John Cooper Clark after this from Arctic Monkeys. This is their adaptation of the John Cooper Clark poem, I Want to Be Yours, on Radio Nova.
0: I will never rust If you like your coffee uh, Let me be your coffee pot You call the shots, babe I just wanna be yours Secrets I have held in my heart Are harder to hide than I thought Maybe I I just wanna be yours, I wanna be yours, I wanna be yours As deep as the Pacific Ocean I wanna be yours
1: Monkeys on Radio Nova and showing their love for John Cooper Clark. That was their adaptation of the poem, I Want to Be Yours. You are backstage with me, Sineni Vorda, and John Cooper Clark. So, John, you were talking of well-meaning admirers earlier. Obviously, Arctic Monkeys are counted among them. So, what are your thoughts on their take on your poem?
3: They're the best modern band in uh, playing today, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Absolutely
3: sensational band. They're like, the, you know, they're a proper band. They were schoolmates. You know, they not just answered an advert in the back of a music paper or exactly. something like that. You know, they're, they're like, you know, like the you know, like the Beatles were and, you know what I mean, Pals. And he shows in the music, they're tight. They're so tight, you know, and... Um, You know, uh, everything Alex Turner does, he's a total expert at the finest rhythm guitarist on the scene today. And a great great, songwriter. And a beautiful voice. He's
1: a great voice. Extremely
3: handsome. He's yeah, got everything he's going for, got it, it all. for him, that guy.
1: The brat. <laughs> but I love what he does with the <laughs> the Vast Shadow Puppets, that kind of Scott Walker stuff that he does as well. It's so good. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's another dimension altogether. Yeah, yeah sensational.
1: Oh, he's bloody good. So you liked what they did to uh, your poem, I Want to Be Yours, or your I song, I Want to Be Yours? I love it, I, I love
3: it. Absolutely. Yeah. It. It's great that it's the last track on the album. That's the most important track. Yeah, that's the track that makes you want to put the album on again. Back on again,
1: there you go. That's all down that's to you, Phil, really. Phil
3: Spector always used to say that about uh, singles. He, on the fade out at the end, you introduce uh, a tambourine or a hand clap, something that hasn't appeared in the rest of the record, just on the fade out, so that you and that makes you want to put it on at the beginning again. Uh-huh. And then you wear out that record and buy another one. This is the pop business.
1: I you, haven't can't heard that you, before. Can't, you can't
3: argue with Phil Spector about pop music.
1: No, you can't. Other things, perhaps, but music, he knows.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think Phil Spector was failed by society in a way. He's been pulling guns on people since year zero. That guy should have had a round-the-clock FBI guard keeping an eye on him at all times. So I think he was, in a way, failed by society.
1: Really, bloody hell! Didn't know when to You
3: should have had an FBI guard, mm. uh, you know, round the clock, making sure he didn't kill anybody.
1: Wow, maybe an in-house psychologist as well. Who me? Not you, no, Phil Spector. Oh, an in-house
3: <laughs> psychologist. On a, there, ain't, there ain't a psychologist been born that can figure Phil Spector out.
1: Oh, God, bad? Uh, actually, just want to touch, before you go, I mean, I know you disappeared for a while and you mentioned that the 80s were, you know, like, your lost decade. Congratulations for getting away from, from the addiction that you had. What, narcotics.
3: Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah, you know, thanks how, a lot. Yeah, no, but how did you bounce back after such a, like a long, enduring addiction like that?
3: Well, how did I quit? Yeah. Two ways, two ways, yeah. gradually and suddenly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I'm being, I'm
3: being, I'm being flipped but you know. Yeah.
1: What advice would you give to someone who is suffering with an addiction?
3: Um, I, I wouldn't. No, I'm. You know what the uh, you know what the hippies used to say? If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Well, when it comes to narcotics, I'm part of the problem. You got to talk to some some qualified physician on this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair well I did it the sort of time honoured way, you know, uh method of reduction. And uh, touch wood, uh, every day every, every day I thank God for my life.
1: Well done. Hats off to you, way. John. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah, amazing. So what's next after this for John Cooper Clark?
3: Well I'm flying out to Barcelona doing an arts an arts festival there. Uh, I think it's sold out. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stay on for the rest of the week with my wife and daughter, meet my wife and daughter out there. And we're going to stay there for the rest of the week. Okay. I used to live in Barcelona. For, I lived there for a year in 1973 after the collapse of my first marriage. Oh, wow. And uh, I've been paying visits ever since. I love that city. It's lovely. It's time of my life
1: there. Yeah, I imagine it brings back a lot of memories. Obviously, served it served a Absolutely, great purpose. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah. there I, cou-
3: from... I, could fi- I can find my way around that city.
1: Nice. It's nice to have that to go to. And like, yeah, Barcelona seems so special. I was there for my first time last year for Primavera, for the Festival Primavera. Oh, yeah. And just incredible architecture. It's just an amazing city well, to roam around. Uh,
3: Antonio Gaudi, Sagrada Familia.
1: Gaudi. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Still and ongoing.
3: Well, if you're ever there again, visit the Salvador Dali Museum in Figueres. It's uh, it's a short bus ride away. The eighth wonder of the world, Sinead.
1: Oh, you reckon? I will be there. Yeah. I'm going in June, so I will visit that for sure. <laughs> Figueres, the Salvador
3: Dali Museum.
1: Nice, nice. You'll, for ta- to see, you'll yeah. thank
3: me for it for the rest of your life.
1: Okay, all right. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> well, John claude okay, Clark, good. thank you so much for your time.
3: My pleasure, kid. My tea's ready, so I'm going to bid you a hearty adieu. A uh,
1: hearty adieu. Back to you. Thanks for your time, your words, and your genius. Thank you. Pleasure, darling. John Cooper Clark on Radio Nova. What an absolute legend. Connor Irwin of Radio Nova will be up very soon with the music news, including news of a Coachella festival offshoot, which will feature these guys Update. And bringing you up to date on all the latest in music news is Connor Irwin of Radio Nova. Connor, hey, now the Rolling Stones, you just heard that a moment ago with Get Off My Cloud. They have been announced this week to be joining a phenomenal lineup of a great Coachella Festival offshoot. There's also news of a possible reunion uh, of a band that I'm quite excited about. But first, this week, it's all about Radiohead, isn't
4: it? Hey, Sinead, fantastic news from Radiohead. This week, they released they're kind of, it's pretty sinister actually when you look at it a bit more deeply but it was uh, an animated video for their new track Burn the Witch which I have to say is absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's animator uh, who's uh, called verpikatu Katu uh, says it's kind of a, a darker take on the negativity surrounding uh, the immigration and anti-immigration politics of the moment within Europe and uh, the blame game that's going on and Islamophobia and all that sort of stuff and uh, quite apart from how spectacular the song is The kind of, it's a sinister take on some old animation. It's kind of stop motion stuff. The video is fantastic. Well worth the watch. Brilliant track. And I can't wait to hear the new album.
1: Me and you both, Connor. Just one more sleep to go. Now, I mentioned this the other night on Overnight. This sounds like such a rare opportunity to catch some of the greatest rock acts in the world on the one bill.
4: Yeah, we got a bit more of a kind of concrete details of this kind of mega festival that's going to happen in California In October, it has got the most astonishing lineup: The Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney, uh, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, The Who and Roger Waters Tickets going on sale May 9th, which is Monday Uh, It's going to be called Desert Trip, as we found out It's by the same people who are bringing us Coachella It's not going to be cheap, though $399 for the starting price tickets And that goes up to $1,599 But going on sale May 9th, which is Monday So uh, I'd advise you to be on that queue pretty quick because those tickets are gonna sell out within seconds, I would imagine, for that lineup.
1: No doubt about it. Now this is something I didn't see coming.
4: Some kind of hopeful news for Smash and Pumpkins fans of a, a reunion, I guess. Uh Billy Corgan has kind of come back. Uh Darcy Retsky wrote a post saying You know, that she wanted to kind of reform, get back, maybe, who knows, uh, get back into the band. There was a lot of bad blood, basically, between Billy Corgan and uh, Darcy when the, the band broke up initially. But Billy has kind of come back and said, isn't it wonderful that meeting James, then Darcy, then Jimmy would alter all our lives forever for the better? Um, and so he's kind of reminiscing about Smashing Pumpkins, opening those doors and uh, possibly opening the doors for a future reunion of that classic lineup of the Smashing Pumpkins. That would be pretty incredible.
1: Well, Connor, thanks so much for bringing us up to date on all the latest in music news.
4: Cheers, Sinead. Chat to you next week.
1: Chat to you then, Connor. Greg Gochran is on the way next and he will be enlightening you on the brilliant new music that's in store for you right here on Nova.
2: Backstage
1: on Radio Nova.